Well, obviously it was the Lord's timing for me to preach tonight and not a week ago. <laughs> I'm going to preach on a subject tonight that doesn't normally get mentioned that often. It gets mentioned in passing, <clears throat> but doesn't get mentioned that often. And it has a lot of things relating to another subject that I shall bring up. Excuse me. Distractions. Okay. Um, first of all, I'd like you to all to turn to Leviticus chapter 13. <clears throat> My subject tonight is leprosy. As you're turning, I'll just read a little thing <clears throat> that I shared with the young people. Actually, this message is an extension of what I shared with the young people on a Friday night. This little thing is out of the Bushman's Guide. It says this. Years ago, when a writer first visited an Australian leprosarium, one striking fact appeared between uh, one striking fact appeared all the patients were lepers yet what a difference between many of the cases some were too far gone to ever leave the place of confinement one of these was blind and terribly afflicted with sores and swellings and had not long to live another nearby did not appear to have leprosy at all Yet the spot was there revealing the dreadful disease. My brother um, David Wisby shared with me this only yesterday <coughs> that there was a leprosarium in Sydney, in uh, La Perouse. I didn't know that. I didn't know we had leprosy in Australia until I read this little book. But it was just interesting to, to hear that. Now, with leprosy, you would think that a doctor would be the one to diagnose the disease. Well, not according to the Bible. In the book of Leviticus... Chapter 13, verses 1 to 3, and we'll read that. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab, or bright spot, it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron, the priest, or unto one of his sons, the priests. And the priests shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh. And when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is the plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. So this was not only a physical ailment 
and quite a, a bad one, but it was also caused by a spiritual act. Just read a little thing that's uh, spoken about uh, the Lord's relating to leprosy, it's called. This fellow writes, The leprosy is the most terrible of all disorders to which the body of man is subject. There is no disease in which hope of recovery is so nearly extinguished. From a commencement, slight in appearance with but little pain or inconvenience, often in its earliest stage insidiously disappearing and reappearing. It goes on in its strong but sluggish course, generally in defiance of the efforts of medical skill, until it reduces the patient to a mutilated cripple with dulled or obliterated senses, the voice turned to a croak and with the features of ghastly deformity. That ghastly deformity damages the nerve endings and the patients basically become anaesthetized. They don't feel their limbs, some of their fingers and their ears and that fall off. They just don't feel it. But it happens. When it reaches some vital part, it generally occasions what seems like the symptoms of a distinct disease, most often dysentery and puts an end to the life of the sufferer. So a leper is helpless. The Old Testament people believed that there was no cure for leprosy, except for the ones who believed in God. They believed that God could cure it. But the majority of the people treated them like they were unclean and that's what they had to do they had to wear a cover over their lip and cry out unclean when now anywhere near someone that didn't have leprosy unclean yeah I think I said uh, it results from a micro, microbic infection Fingers, toes, nose and ears fall off. Now we have uh, people working with lepers, missionaries, who have worked with them for quite a long time and not got the disease. The rabbis have made it even harder for these lepers if you think their life is hard enough being ostracised and kept away from the camp and kept away from the, the city, outside the wall, away from everyone, the rabbis stated that you can't walk, a leper cannot walk any nearer than six metres to an un, someone who doesn't have leprosy. But get this, on a windy day, a hundred metres. I don't know how they worked that out, but anyway. And they forbade them to wash their faces. This is the rabbis. 
And if they broke any of these rabbis' rules, they were threatened with 39 stripes. So if their life was bad enough, they were going to get whipped if they broke any of these laws. And of course, the rabbis say it, this was done to stop the disease from spreading. Our first mention of leprosy is in, uh, in the book of Leviticus. And it points to caused by sin people sin in people's lives I'll explain why later among many of the thousands of sufferers in the Old Testament only two have been shown to have been cured by God that are written in this book the Bible the Old Testament there are others in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, there's only two that are shown that they've been cured by God. One of them, as we read, uh, just turn to Numbers, chapter 12. This is the story of um, Miriam and how... She and her brother Aaron treated Moses, their brother. Reading from verse 1, it says, And Miriam Aaron spake against Moses, because the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, uh, in the Hebrew, Ethiopian woman was a Cushite. That's how they called him. And they were of African descent. Miriam and Aaron <coughs> spoke against Moses' wife and they said this in verse 2. And they said, hath, hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And guess what? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses, carrying on, the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Come out, you three unto the tabernacle of the congregation and they came out the three came out and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forth so they call, he called out the three of them <coughs> but he called Aaron and Miriam out from in, alongside uh, Moses and left Moses there on his own And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud 
and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forth and he said hear now my words if there be a prophet among you I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream my servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all mine house with him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall be he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Now later on in that particular chapter, in verse 14, it says this. After Aaron had pleaded with Moses for God to forgive Miriam and him and Aaron because they'd sinned and the Lord said unto Moses if her father had put spit in her face should she not be ashamed seven days let her be shut out from the camp seven days and after that let her be received in again so she was healed Now there's another character in the Bible and you wouldn't have thought that this person um, yeah, it's an interesting story. His name is Naaman. He was the captain of the guard of the king of Syria. <coughs> now picture this. This is a guy with leprosy. He was born with leprosy. He's got leprosy. He's the king's captain of his army. <laughs> he lives in a house on his own because he's separated from the people. And it was his wife's handmaid because um, Naaman tried everything to get rid of this leprosy. And this wife's hand, his wife's handmaid said to her her um, mistress there's a prophet in Israel that can take that away this is Naaman who's not a he's not a, a Jew at all anyway he um He got the king of Syria to write a letter to the king of Israel. And this is what the king of Israel said when he got this letter. In, oh, so this is all in the book of Kings, 1 Kings. Oh, sorry, 2 Kings, chapter 5, verse 1, it starts at. But in uh, 5... 
verse 7. It says, And it came to pass, when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send unto me to recover a man of leprosy? Elisha heard about what had happened. And he, uh, he told Naaman, he told his servant to tell Naaman, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Go wash in the Jordan seven times, a simple request. Nothing big about that. But he thought it was too simple. Naaman thought it was too simple. He said, and also with that seven times washing, and thy flesh shall come to thee. That's what it says. Naaman didn't believe it. It couldn't be that simple. He thought, why not wash in the Abama, Abana and the uh, Far, Farpar, rivers of Damascus, in other words, Syria, better than all the waters of Israel, so he turned and left. Nothing happened. He never got cured. When Naaman finally did what he was asked to do, he was completely healed. He went to the Jordan and he washed in the Jordan seven times and he was completely healed. Now, later on, Elisha was offered a gift by Naaman and he refused it. But his servant, Gehazi, I think that's how you pronounce it, ran after Naaman and asked for the two talents of silver and the two changes of garments. And he paid the price. This is Gehazi. He paid the price because when he come back to his master, his master said, Naaman's leprosy be upon you and the rest of your seed. The rest. In other words, till they die off. And being a leper, you don't have long to live really. Some of them badly they don't hang around too long. So that's what happened to Naaman and particularly Gehazi, who was the servant of Elisha. He should have known better. There are other mentions in the, the Bible, in the Old Testament, of other people like uh, Joad, all his father's house had leprosy. The king, Uzziah, he was a leper. The reason why he became a leper is because he did everything right except for one thing. He never took down the high 
altars, the high places of worship for Baal. Not for God, for Baal. And God struck him with leprosy. And in Second Chronicles 26, 21, we read about the king who was a leper, Uzziah. And in Second Chronicles 26, 23, we read about him dying. So he didn't live very long. I think it was 50 years. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ had contact with these lepers. According to the Apostle Matthew's Gospel in Matthew 8 verse 1, Jesus came down from the Mount of Olives and this occurred just after he had given what is called the Olivet Discourse from Gennesaret. And the words say, Behold, a man, a leper, came full of leprosy. Now, when, you, when it says full of leprosy, it means that he was pretty bad. Full of leprosy. And he came to Jesus worshipping. So he acknowledged who Jesus was. This man believed who Jesus was. He believed in him and he believed that Jesus could heal him. And Jesus had compassion on him, says the Gospel of Mark. And in Luke's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 13, it says that Jesus put forth his hand and touched him and immediately the leprosy departed from him. Immediately. Jesus charged him to tell no man Show thyself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. That is, the priest, the testimony to them that he was clean. Also, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 11 and 19, there were ten lepers ten lepers which stood afar off now it could have been a windy day that's why they were standing afar off they didn't want to get too close because they might have got 39 lashes or whatever it was but they stood afar off they had their top lip covered and they had to yell out unclean unclean otherwise they got into trouble and said Jesus Master, and we know master is um, another word for um, rabbi, have mercy on us. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. pastor was preaching about uh, God's mercy this morning. How merciful is our God. How long-suffering he has been. When Jesus saw them, he said unto them, Show thyselves to the priests. He didn't walk up and touch them. He just told them, Go and show thyselves to the priests. 
And as they were going, as they were going off to see the priest, they all became healed. Every one of them. And one turned back. When he saw that he was healed, he turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God. Fell on his face at Jesus' feet. Like prostate. Fell on his face. Giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. He was one of the enemies of the Jews. Verse 17 says, Were there were there not, this is Jesus speaking, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Jesus asked that question, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. And when he's talking about a stranger, he's talking about a non-Jew. Save this stranger. He's the only one to come back. Does that mean that Jesus was saying the rest of them were Jews? I'll leave you with that question. That contact with the Lord Jesus Christ changed that man. Those guys that went away, the nine that went away, they were physically healed, but were they spiritually healed? We do not know. But with the testimony of the Samaritan that come back I believe that he was truly a believer after what happened to him because he, he recognised he was changed as he was walking away or running away, whatever he was doing, <laughs> but he was going away to go and see the priest. I believe he recognised the fact that this was the Son of God. No one else could heal leprosy. Even in the New Testament, no one could heal leprosy except for God. Just as our brother was talking about how the man born blind was healed by the Lord Jesus Christ, no one else could cure a blind man who was born blind. And the Jews believed that leprosy was a death sentence apart from God's intercession. Now there was a question asked, uh, told to them. He said, uh, go and show thyself to the priest and give the gift that Moses commanded you to give. 
Now, the gift that they had to give was two birds. Two birds alive. The two birds alive represent the life of Christ seen in the activity of God. Clean spotlessness of Christ who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth that's 1st Peter chapter 2 verse 22 Matthew 3:17 and lo a voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and John 8 verse 29 says and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. Then there was a bird, one of those live birds, that was killed in an earthen vessel over running water. Christ, through the eternal spirit, running water, offered to God Hebrews 9.14 says how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God put to death in the flesh the earthen vessel in the flesh 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Then there's a live bird. There's a live bird. The live bird is dipped in the blood of the dead bird. Then the live bird is released for our justification. Romans 4.25 says, who was delivered for our offences. He was raised again for our justification. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. The blood was applied. Hebrews 9, 14 referred to earlier. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? Now there's one distinction that I want to bring forward here. Leprosy. Is brought on by man's actions. It was brought on 
by the sin of Miriam. It was brought on by the king Uzziah. And even Haman's. Haman's? Yeah, Haman's. He's, he's sin as well. Whether one spot or completely covered, they had to be separated away from all the people that hadn't had leprosy. They had to be ostracised. They had to be put in a camp on their own. There was no cure, according to these people. The end result was death. They could not help themselves without God's intervention. Now we have a leprosy in the world that's been since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden or since Satan sinned in heaven and that is sin. Sin is brought on by man's actions whether one sin or many. The word of God says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin can lead to physical death. But more importantly, sin, if not confessed, can lead to spiritual death. There's one cure. Jesus Christ the righteous. Salvation that he brings. There are many actions that have to be taken place. First of all, you have to believe. What well, did Philippian jailer say? What, 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 what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And your house. If we confess by our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. We have to confess our sin. We have to turn from our sin. Unless we do those things, we never receive forgiveness. Forgiveness is there, but we won't get it unless we do these things. I think about what's going on in the world today and how one side has no forgiveness. No forgiveness at all. Something happened many years ago that affected them and their people but they cannot forgive. What's happening in Israel? There's no forgiveness from these people, these murderers, Hamas, Hezbollah, all these people, they've got no forgiveness. It's amazing, you know. They all, they all uh, are supported by Iran 
And yet the Bible says that Iran, Persia, will turn to Christ in the last days. That's pretty powerful. They're a pretty cruel nation. Only God can do that. So I'll ask you a, qu a few questions here. So to whom was this healing miracle to pleasure? I'm talking about the man who was healed from leprosy. I'm talking about the nine that were healed. Oh, sorry, the ten that were healed from leprosy. Was it the crowd? Was it, was it pleasuring the crowd? Well, I'm sure it was because uh, they didn't have to walk six metres away from and 100 metres in a windy day. Or was it the priest? The priest didn't have to worry about inspecting the people to see, make sure they haven't got any leprosy on them. Or the leper himself. I think he... He did gain a lot of pleasure in the fact that he was made whole. Was it the Lord himself? The Lord was glorified in this, in this act in front of all these people. Was it the Father? John chapter 17 Verse 1 and 2 says this. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, and thy son, and that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou has given him power over all flesh. That's why he could do what he did. He was given power over all flesh. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou has given him. Brothers and sisters, there are people today in relation to leprosy that are cutting limbs off, deforming themselves, something that God has given them. There's nothing wrong with their limbs at all. It's called body integrity dyspora, the removal of perfectly good limbs, fingers, ears, you name it. It's this world, what's going on? Look what the enemy's doing. So praise the Lord that there is a cure for that leprosy that affects Everyone, because we were born with a sin nature. This is not a comprehensive study on 
this particular subject. There's a lot more in the Bible about it. But I found it interesting to go into the, um, the understanding of the gifts that had to be given according to the command of Moses. And God commanded Moses to do that. And how it relates to the Lord Jesus Christ. Even those gifts are speaking about Christ. Thank you. I'll just pray. Our great God and loving Heavenly Father, Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your long suffering. We thank you for your mercy that you bestow upon us, filthy sinners. We thank you for the blessing it is to be in Christ Jesus. We do pray for those who are struggling, those who don't know you, your son, as the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, those people in the different lands that don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your son and that he is God. Father, we pray as we uh, go about our daily lives that we would thank you, firstly, for not having leprosy, but thank you also for having a saviour, the one who died for us on Calvary, the one who paid the penalty for this particular disease called sin. We thank you. With grateful hearts, we lift up praise to thee. In Jesus' name, amen.